CinemaSins has a fan club. It's called The Sin Club, and members get all sorts of things like early episodes, bonus videos, merch discounts, and even monthly bonus podcasts. Membership starts at $3 a month, and you can sign up now at patreon.com slash CinemaSins. Yeah. You wrote MIA a letter? That is so awesome. I actually wrote, Nancy, yeah, I know Nancy Wilson and her a letter, both of them being like. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's awesome. So those and apparently awesome. You're, you're very convincing. <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined by Jonathan Watkins. Hello, hello. And Barrett Scher. Hi there. And today we have a very special guest. It is director Maureen Barucha, who has uh, made a movie called Golden Arm, coming out in theaters and digital on April 30th. Maureen, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, this movie is really funny, by the way. Oh, I've laughed, mm-hmm. I laughed several, like many times in this yeah. movie. Yeah. Right, mission accomplished um, then, yes. Yeah. Um, I was wondering what drew you to this project and how did you come to be a part of it? Yeah, I mean, one, you know, I, I'm, su- I'm such a movie buff. I'm so obsessed with movies. So uh, movies is kind mm-hmm. of my first love of directing. And when I heard about this project, it was from the writers, Amory Allison and Jenna Milley. About five years ago, they, they were starting their script and they approached me because they had seen some of my short films and they asked me if I would do a sizzle to kind of go along with their script as they took it out to get financing. And just the premise alone that, you know, they were like, Amory actually was an arm wrestler in one of these underground arm wrestling, um, you know, competition. So what? Yeah, it's really? like, real. like this exists. It's a real thing. Yeah. All across the country, <laughs> there are these like underground, we have one here in LA, Los Angeles lady arm wrestlers league and they arm wrestle for charity and they like wear costumes and it's just really fun. <laughs> Yeah, That's I, I, I need to find this now. Because <laughs> I was going to actually, 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 one of my questions I was going to ask was was uh, how prevalent these uh, arm wrestling competitions are, and how close do you think you got in your movie to the reality of it? I mean, I definitely, you know, when I when I when I came on board, I, you know, Amory, she is was a part of it. She owns a charity in DC or runs a charity in DC called DC Claw. And then I, you know, in particular wanted to reach out to arm wrestlers here in Los Angeles where I'm based. So I talked to Pro Vendenza and they run the Lady Arm Wrestling League and just really wanting to be mindful and respectful of that community and, you know, know about it and not just kind of go into it being like, oh yeah, this is fun and whatever. I wanted to, I wanted to in particular make sure that we were highlighting different women and the styles and really kind of, you know, showing respect to, to them. And so that was really important. Um, but yeah, it's mm-hmm. a really cool thing that they're doing. And again, most of it is for charity and it's just like fun times. It's like you get to cosplay. I think Pro, Pro Vendenza, her, uh, their persona is the bloody nun. So everybody kind of has their own. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, uh, you know, uh, Mary Holland and Betsy Sodaro are uh, a great uh, team up in this in this movie. Um, I'm wondering how you came to cast them as your leads in this movie. 
you know, I mean, Mary and Betsy are, they're just, they're just dreamboats. I just love them to death. Um, Betsy was actually a part of the original sizzle that I did. She, you know, I've known Mary and Betsy for years now, worked with both of them on many projects, whether it was spank shows at UCB, Mary had been in some of my sprinkles, cupcake shorts. So, you know, one, it was, I, you casting this movie, you definitely needed kind of powerhouse comedians that also had acting chops. And so that's like Mary to a T, especially Melanie's character, you know, carrying the movie and having to, you know, have this, this big transformation just internally, Mary is such an incredible actress that, you know, she was, she was kind of just like, oh, this Mary's going to kill this. And then Mary and Betsy have also been improvising together for, I think, 10 years. So they kind of already had a really? friendship. Yeah. And oh, that explains a lot because <laughs> they are, they are, you can tell that they have genuine affection for each other. They play off of each other so well in this so no that makes all the sense in the world mm-hmm. and the movie mm-hmm. i mean the movie really works because of them if i think you know you at the heart of the movie i think what the movie ended up evolving into it it's in it's in the end it's a love story about these two friends finding each other again and kind of going on mm-hmm. this road trip you know adventure together and you really you know at the heart of it it's it's this friendship between these two women i can tell you the, the first moment that i knew i was going to really like this movie it's when Danny, played by Betsy Sodaro, says, fucking Brenda. I knew immediately <laughs> that this was going to be a movie for me. Um, and she continues that that uh, that kind of level uh, of, uh, you know, uh, comic chops all the way throughout the the uh, the movie. I had seen Mary Holland before in uh, Happiest Season, where I thought she uh, stole a lot of her scenes in that movie. Um, uh, what is the story with Betsy Sodaro? Because I've seen, I've seen a lot, I see that she has a lot of voice credits and that's, that's quite, uh, I mean, not surprising because she has a comic voice, but what is her story? Yeah. Betsy, I mean, Betsy has been, she's been in a lot of stuff and you might not even realize, yeah, a lot of, a lot of voice work. She was also Mm -hmm. on that. Um, oh my goodness, my mind is blanking, but that stoner show on Netflix. Um, oh Oh my goodness. <laughs> she's been in a lot of sitcoms. I mean, I think that she, she, you know, she was just, she was in the pilot of superstore and you've seen her face a lot and she's done a lot of TV shows and a lot of, mm-hmm. um, but to me, what was so great is like both Mary and Betsy getting to be the leads in this movie and really getting to like play out characters that you probably have never gotten to see them play out just because of, you know, getting to be the leads in these, in this movie. And there were no, there, there was nobody else that, I think could have done justice uh, was other than Betsy and Mary. I believe it's For disjointed. Sure. That disjointed, we yes. For. Yes. <laughs> and what's so funny is that actually when we, sh- we shot this movie in Oklahoma, Oklahoma, you would never know, but it has the most dispensaries of any place I've ever been. It's like there, it's like Starbucks. Ooh, huh. So, because I think it's uh medicinally like legal. So, so many people work at dispensaries and when we'd be out in the town, Betsy got recognized so much from that show. They'd be like, <laughs> like hey you're from that show <laughs> <laughs> it, was like such a, it was so funny that um it was just like yeah we're in the land of oklahoma where there's so many dispensaries what else are you gonna do in oklahoma to be honest with you you're gonna you're gonna get high and you're gonna arm wrestle i think are really the i also gotta say oklahoma has some really good food like i was really i was really shocked like i was oh yeah it was, it was some tasty food <laughs> you're um you uh you round out this cast with a lot of uh, great character actors. Um, 
you know, uh, some people who show up uh, in, in this movie, Dot Marie Jones, who I remember from Glee. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and then you had Kate Flannery mm-hmm. who, uh, who's, who's very well known in uh, the office and everything. Um, I, uh, and, and just a, a host of other people here, uh, including Olivia, I think is Stambulia. Stambulia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, tell me how you found these people and, uh, they're, they're all, they're all, they're all great. They all, uh, add a lot of character to this movie. Yeah, I mean, the thing that's so great about the movie is that as I was casting, it was really important to find just different types of people. And a lot of these people I've worked with before, you know, Ron Funches is an old friend and we we yeah. worked together. So it was like Ron. And, and the same thing with Eugene. Eugene had been in one of my sprinkle shorts many, many moons ago. So I was like, I got to get Eugene. Um, and then what's really cool about Dot is that she's a real arm wrestling champion. You know, she brought her arm wrestling <laughs> she seems like it yes so she was teaching us like she was teaching us really how to arm wrestle and technique um obviously kate was so great but then it was like a parn and intrilla as a friend that i was like a parn you got to be in this movie my brother ahmed uh you know he's on a show on a yeah. called dream corp i was like you know i do so much with him but then like olivia she actually ended up sending tape in and we just saw her tape and we're like oh my gosh she's brenda like she sent in such a great <laughs> such a great tape and the same with don luby like you know, I'm so surprised we yeah. had known each other, but she sent in a tape and her tape was so great. And she was actually, I actually ended up changing the character's costuming because of her tape. She, she sent in <laughs> tape wearing a backwards hat and like arm, you know, wrist guards. And I was like, oh, we got this, this, this character is now a skater. Like that's her. Person. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was born out of like Dawn's tape that she sent in it. She was just so brilliant. So it was kind of a mixed match. Uh, most people I had worked with before and kind of, you know, asking them to join my circus. And then there were a few people that we cast, uh, again, Brenda, Olivia and uh, Dawn were, were through tape. Yeah. I, uh, I noticed that you were a segment director for Jimmy Kimmel for a while. Yeah. And I was wondering how much, how much did you learn on those things? Cause you, you were credited for about 400 episodes on this thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, Jimmy Kimmel live is, was a dream job, like such a great show to work on. I was there for um, almost three seasons. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, I was one of four segment directors and I feel like if anything, I just, I really honed like, you know, time, how much time you have in the day to shoot something, how to trust your gut, how to, you know, how to, how to make something work in an edit if it's not working in the moment because you're sh- you're getting your assignments and you're shooting and you're editing and you're getting cuts to Jimmy like day of before the show goes live at five. So it's a real mm-hmm. scramble and a mad dash to kind of get what you need, make it funny. Uh, there were things that we had longer time to do, but uh, it was it's such a great, great show to work on. And there's such a tight knit group of people that you're working with, you know, different writers, a different editor, a different DP on just different, different bits each day. So it was, it's, it was so fun and it's so such a crash course and really kind of honing your skills and trusting your gut. Did almost feel like a relief to be able to shoot this movie without that kind of uh, a pressure or did you feel yourself like really still need, needing to have to, to, to go? You had like uh, very little time to make this movie. I think like, a, you know, I don't know if it was a relief because it was, you know, different monster, different, different, right. but I do think, what working on Kimmel really just taught me is, you know, you're always in a crunch there and you're always under the gun. So, and I knew that 
you, you can do anything, right? You're like, we can make it work. We'll figure out a way. So nothing ever felt overwhelming or insurmountable because I was doing it for, you know, almost three years on Kimmel where it is crunch time and you got to make it, you got to make it in the wire. You got to make it in your time. Like you have, a sh- there's a show that's going to be live at five. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think that it helped. And I'm also just a person that really like loves that kind of stress. I always, I waited <laughs> when I was younger and I feel like of it as the kind of waiting tables. Like whenever I would have a section that was, if I was slow, I would forget everything. I'd forget to bring a fork or a straw. But then if mm-hmm. you're at a busy, busy table, I would like never miss a beat because your brain just kind of organizes it and you're not overthinking things. I know yeah, exactly cause... what you mean. I, I, I had that same thing. Uh, now, my job was not nearly as uh, stressful as waiter, but I was a concession worker at a movie theater uh, for a while. And uh, most of the time people could just go, I want this, this, and this. And I would be like, bam, I'd get it out there. No problem. But then there was this one guy who came in who was all like, you know, I want this and <laughs> this. He was making, trying to make sure that I knew what it was. And I, I actually like halfway through it, I was like, I don't remember what you had, what you asked for. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Jonathan, you were about to ask. Well, that. I was just going to, I always been curious about that. Cause I've been talking about that worked on one of those type of talk shows. How, how many weeks of the year is that? Is that, I mean, that's over 40, right? At least. Yeah. I mean, it was a full, it was full time. I think we had, I believe it was like eight weeks off in the year. Oh, wow. So it was, yeah. And it's a five days a week. I mean, the show is live four days, but then on the fifth day you're working on, so there are four segment directors and you're working on a commercial. So each director kind of rotates through the commercials that we do for the show. So, you know, if you're not, if the show's not live, you're working on edits or you're working on pre pre-production yeah. projects. So but what's really cool about it, and you know, looking back on it, it again, it's such a great show. It's it's literally probably the best gig in town. Jimmy is so great to work for, but it also is really cool because there was just so many people that you could pass ideas around. You know, hey, watch, come in the edit bay, watch my bit, or you know, other directors there, like John Kimmel was a director, and Brad Morrison were such great people. Danny Jelnick, that you know, often directors get to like kind of have that Will Burke, like you don't have to, you don't get to like interact with directors on a day to day basis. So it was cool. And Andy Fisher is the show director. So there are other directors you could talk with or ask advice from and, you know, shoot the shit and just talk shop. Mm, really nice. cool. Yeah. You just and the worst, off, and uh... the worst celebrity guest was who? I have that. You just rattled off a, a, a list of names and it, it sounded like they were all male. Um, it, what I appreciate about uh, Golden Arm is how female forward it is, if that's not pedantic to say, like how unabashedly, like, you know, w- we're best friends. We don't need a dude around, uh, to, uh, to, you know, take care of our needs or anything like that. As a matter of fact, the, the, the men in this movie are kind of supplemental, not to say that they're not great characters. The ex-husband is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, no, I really do. Real husband, Matt. Yeah. Oh, oh really? Nice. Oh, nice. Great. <laughs> I love the that's not donut, it's bread. And then she's like, he's like, donut is bread. <laughs> that was their improv. Their improv yeah. was like so great. But no, I, I just it, it, it was this intentional to really showcase uh female comedians and female actresses uh that that wouldn't necessarily um you know, you, you don't, obviously we don't have a whole lot of cast like this. Was that super intentional? Yeah, it definitely was intentional. I mean, one, it was, it was originally there in the script. I think I actually added men to the script 
just because I think so often mm. it's nice to round it out with men. And I, I think it's great to see allies like the Jerry character I added and then I cast mm-hmm. brother as that character. I think oh, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Like there just needed to be another layer of comedy there with like, and again, somebody that's kind of like the foil to the women. But I think mm. one of the big things for me is that, yeah, I, I think I haven't had as an, now I'm, you know, definitely I've been a big point to like, increase my circle and, you know, support other women filmmakers. But I think growing up, I didn't necessarily have a lot of women to look up to in that way. And I never realized that until now. But that being said, one of the really important things I thought for this movie was it it is going to be female forward, but we're not going to talk about it. We're not, we're going to show and we're not going to say it. Like we never, you know, words that I was like, I don't ever want to hear the words female empowerment because I don't want Mm -hmm. to say it out loud. I want to just show it in the movie. So the same thing with like, when you write a script, you don't want to tell it to the people with words, you want to show with the action. So it was really important to me for the movie to, we watch it and men and women can enjoy it and you're enjoying the characters, but yeah, it's there, it's in the subtext. It's, it's never overtly stated and we're not pushing it in your face and it doesn't feel like a slogan or something that you're making sure that we're hitting. It's, it's, it's just by showing these well-rounded women in different ways that you've never seen supported by men that are in that world as well. And so I'm really glad that it comes across like that without it being, you know, again, too much of a slogan or over the top or just get what we're doing. We're, we're about female empowerment, which is important, but I think saying it cheapens it in a way. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. We got to get real here, Maureen. I got a bone. I got a bone to pick with you in this movie. Let's do it. Yeah. This is is really, this is real. This is real serious stuff now. (laughs) And this, and this, this, this is probably not you. I should be asking. I probably should be asking the screenwriters, but there is a moment when Melanie and Greg have their, have their, uh, about to have their date on the baseball field. Oh, okay. And, 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 and Greg says, I have a guilty pleasure called the natural. I want to know how the natural is a guilty pleasure. I just want to, I, I can, I can understand, I can understand hating it, but I can't understand guilty pleasuring it. So, so you, so defend yourself in five words. Okay. So I feel like, you know, that, that is a little mixture of the writers and myself. Okay. I think that movie was always referenced as uh you know this like guilty pleasure but we kind of turned it in because i think when you read like i think none of all of us had like when that was in the movie like let's rewatch that movie and just see how it is again and like one Mm. is a very enjoyable movie but it's also kind of ridiculous like yeah it is no there's no doubt about it it's (laughs) super 100 so what's so great and it didn't make the cut because i think it went on for too long but eugene had rewatched the movie. And so I let those guys improvise just the plot of that movie. And it was like, mm-hmm. maybe Black shoots him and then he, he's still bleeding like this many years later. <laughs> you know, I, I would, I would love to see the deleted scene of them riffing on the natural because <laughs> like, like, look, I love that movie. I, I watched it when I was seven and it became a huge, big baseball movie for me. But I also know how ridiculous that movie is too. And, <laughs> It would. I would love to hear an extended version of them just riffing on this movie because it is. It's ridiculous, right? There's just. It's an absolute silly movie. But I never really until until somebody just came out and said guilty pleasure. I don't think I ever realized you could maybe enjoy it that way. I don't know. It was very very. It was like I was like, oh, you put me in my place on this movie. I gotta think about this. I think it's like I think writers have affection for that movie, and so like that's where it came from. But then I think it was yeah, exploring like actually how ridiculous 
the plot of that movie is. So it's like you can still enjoy mm-hmm. it, but it's also like it's kind of crazy town. Like, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it is like I, I, that end of that movie with the music and all that. Like it's so dramatic, which is like what you love. But then again, when you think about it, you're like, he's bleeding from a wound that was like how many years ago? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like 30 years ago. I uh I I I would I I will specifically buy the Blu-ray of this movie if it has an extended scene of them riffing on the natural on it. Oh so, man, I mean, there's uh, so much stuff that I want to put together that's like riffing of this. There's a scene, my favorite scene. I'm I'm lobbying for it. It got cut, but it's uh, Mary and Betsy. So much improvising happened in that truck, and Mary and Betsy mm-hmm. saw two cows having sex on the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> and they improvised this whole scene about never seeing like a cow's vagina and asking if a cow had a clitoris. And like, it's like a 10 minute improvise about them really talking about it. And it's so funny. I tried to get it cut. Um, it got cut, but I feel like I'm going to lobby for like, when this movie comes out, fans to demand to see some of those. Yes, <laughs> I would totally see yeah. that. I, I wanted to see her act out all of Twister. I was very sad that oh, yeah. uh, she started snoring immediately. I was like, that's no. Such a good, What's so great too is that they improvised the Twister thing, and that movie's actually shot in Oklahoma. So we're like, oh my gosh. Uh, oh, yeah. Oklahoma no. Yeah. <laughs> hey, how much of this uh, was improvised? Uh, it seemed like, you know, like we said, they have a, a great chemistry together, the two leads, but it, it, was there a lot with the the rest of the cast or was it, did they pretty much stick to the script? No, I mean, so, you know, the, I feel like with comedies in particular, and then for me having this many, like just brilliant comedians and improvisers and writers, you'd be a fool not to, you know, have them pitch on jokes and elevate everything. So, you know, there, the, the script was great and it's definitely the bones and most of the, you know, story is because of the script, but, you know, I took my pass and I kind of changed the end. Like there was a, Mary just won, I think, in the end of the original. And then once each character kind of came on board, it was also kind of like pivoting and talking with them, like Ron in particular. His character originally was, I think, more of a sleaze ball that like, oh, like that ran the tournament. And Ron, when he came on, he's like, I'll play it however you want me to play it. But here's the thing. He's like, I feel like my character, his mom was an arm wrestler. He loves thick women. He's, he loves powerful. <laughs> now I'm just talking about myself. And I was like, okay, we're pivoting this character. <laughs> he definitely loves it. Yeah. So it was, you know, so there was that kind of iteration. And then kind of how I worked with the actors was, you know, we would talk about scenes before we'd go into them and we might change things but there. We might change, you know, they were bumping on a line or, we kind of found the intention or we kind of honed in on what something meant. So we would change it before we went into the scene. And then sometimes we would improvise in the scene and there's lots of improvising, but it's guess maybe not in the sense that you think just running wild, we would talk about it first and where we could improvise and what things we could move away from and what things we had to keep. Um, And so, and then there were certain scenes like the baseball scene with Mary and Eugene, that is actually completely improvised. Mary had, Mm. we were, we kind of threw away what was written because we're like, you know what, this idea that Mary had was so great was she kind of had this real fan. She's like, my real fantasy is like being, you know, standing against a fence. And I'm like, okay, don't tell Eugene. And so it was magic hour. We're like, let's just shoot this and see what happens. And it was just so real and authentic that that made the cut. But that scene in and of itself was completely improvised. So it was Mm. kind of a mix mash of stuff, but a lot of improvising and a lot of joke punch ups. My brother, is a writer and he, you know, he was by my side a lot, like punching up jokes as well. So you just have a wealth of comedians and, you know, brilliant minds. So everybody was contributing. 
Well, and I also appreciate the the scene too, where the where someone at you know says Mary. I mean, she tell, tells uh, Melanie, uh, "You don't have the balls to do this or whatever. Or go go out and get some balls or something like that." And there's a whole thing about how that's probably not even <clears throat> that's not even the a great uh it's not even a great thing to use anyway because they're so so like feeble and weak when it comes to getting hit or uh you know punched or anything like that and they, there's that whole riff about flicking it and stuff like that and it's like, yeah, no you ruined your whole like, day with that a great scene in the sense of like so the writers jenna and amory that was like their baby i think that was like one of their favorite scenes that they wrote and it's so mm-hmm. funny it leaves out and then kind of how it evolved a little bit was um ahmed's character jerry yeah, he kind of becomes the foil in that scene. And that little moment about flicking it was improvised. Like a parna, you know, <laughs> a spider coming out of it. Like, so it was so great <laughs> that the actors can kind of add and improvise and punch up. But it was like, you know, such a great scene that Amory and Jenna wrote about Labes Out. <laughs> <laughs> did, did, did people, did like when she said that spider line, was that done in one take or did people just bust? Um, I bust so like that, like, I think we actually, I think we got it on one take. And so whatever, I mean, I, we didn't get it a bunch of times, but I had to get it in. So I think we actually ended up cutting around because it was a little hard to keep it in, but I was like, we have to keep that in that she saw a spider come out of one once. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what, what was your hardest day on set? Who I mean, we have a many hard days, but I do have to say probably my first, but one of the best was, you know, one of my big things is I didn't want to have to shoot green screen in the big rig. I was just like, if we have to shoot green screen, this movie will look cheap and it will look, it will just look low budget. So we, the, the compromise is that we, we strapped a big rig to a flatbed, a flatbed of another big rig. And we strapped cameras to that and we just drove back and forth and for for like many hours, it was Betsy, Mary, myself, and the incredible DP Chris sitting in the cab of that big rig, just driving back and forth and getting seen. So there was so much improvising. I think we were going delirious with the heat. Um, mm, yeah, it was, it was the most. It was one of the most challenging days, but probably one of the funniest, most memorable days. Uh, Jonathan Barrett. Well, I did want to mention the um, the arm wrestling scenes themselves. I was curious about shooting those. Uh, they were a lot of fun to watch. Um, uh, you mentioned over the top earlier. I was going to say that's a huge difference in that in this movie. I actually enjoyed watching the arm wrestling scenes. Um, <laughs> where I'm, I'm also curious, like, were they fun to shoot? But also, like, was anybody really getting into it? Like, were people trying to win? And like, or was it? Was yeah, it, I don't I mean, know. one that that was that was the big thing I think about this movie was talking with my uh, DP Chris Messina. We wanted to make sure that they each looked different because it is so repetitive mm-hmm. and it's like the same shots and the same moves and there's not a lot of, you know, different dynamic positions that you're going to have in an arm wrestling match. So it was taking each arm wrestling match in each location and seeing how we could make each one different. So, you know, the opening one is in a dive bar where it's down and dirty and it's handheld and, mm-hmm. you know, and compared to like the last one where we have like some, um, you know, steady cam work and we're moving around the circle of them. But you know, one of the things we were really in particular is we wanted to be safe because you really can get injured arm wrestling. So, you know, it was really important that we have a stunt person. Again, Dot was a real arm wrestler. Amory knows arm wrestling. So one of the things that we did was we made sure that whoever was going to win the match was the one controlling the arms because mm-hmm. no one was really getting into the matches because there was there is an element of danger and you can get hurt and you can break a 
can break something or you can twist something. So that was really important just to, because we were moving so fast as well, was making sure that we had safety. So I'm glad that they looked real, but a lot of, you know, they, we definitely <laughs> were coordinating that dance. <laughs> and by and by the way, especially during that training sequence and stuff, I felt like there was some foreshadowing in there that, you know, something was going to happen to an arm and I don't want to give anything away, but uh, the, that was perfect. Like the way you guys, the way the, you did that in the movie with, uh, the injury, I guess we'll call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, just them together in that scene was, was wonderful. And you know what, that's another, those are other scenes that we, we had scripted, but we, we threw mm-hmm. a lot of the script because dot, she really was kind of talking about arm wrestling. So a lot of it, you know, which was great. We had the bones of it, but then we'd be like, dot, just go off. Tell us. <laughs> and so she, she would go off and tell us stuff about you know arm wrestling and it, it made the cut because it it's so authentic and real and so a lot of that really does come from like the real life experiences that she had and Amory had that's yeah. cool that gets that strap thing seems super unfair like i don't i don't know how that's fair to anybody that would have to experience that yeah i mean again so much stuff i never heard about <laughs> yeah. or learned but it was so great that getting it in there in an organic way that felt real to like what she was doing and teaching them and then kind of how things come back to play later that you've you've learned about yeah i don't i don't want to say what the ending is but i am curious because i mean i i honestly didn't know how it was going to end which i thought was really cool um were there multiple ideas for that or was it always pretty much what we got or well you know what's so interesting about the end is like again when i came on i I changed the end so i added kind of Mm -hmm. the the, the kind of surprise ending Mm -hmm. um that that was that was something that when i came on i was like oh we need we need one more extra thing i think just to just to again to make give homage to some of these sports tropes, but also kind of mm-hmm. do it in a fun, different way. So that was one of the things that I added. But then, but there was also like kind of that second button at the end. One of the things the original script, Mary's character Melanie ends up with the guy, and she goes off with Eugene's character, and she goes off one way, and Betsy goes off the other. That was the original script. But while we were shooting, it was very clear to me that we couldn't end the movie that way. We, we spent, you know, an hour and a half with these characters getting, finding each other again and getting back on the road. And it was like, no, this is a movie about this friendship. So, you know, Mary can still get the guy in the end, but really it's like, she can't lose her friend. Mm-hmm. So that is actually something that we shot both ways. But when we got into the edit, I'm like, no, we, we have to, we have to keep Mary and Betsy together. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So you have a she ends up with ducky ending is yeah, what you're saying. <laughs> she oh she always ends up with I mean in my mind I think like well that's true yeah he, he becomes part of her life but it, there was a there's a scene that we did shoot that's like well I'm going off this way and you're going off that way and it's like wow she's just gonna go off with this guy that she met this weekend and so um, yeah it was like yeah it was like no we've we've spent all this time with Mary and Betsy like they have to stay together they have to continue their journey whatever way that is. By the way, I love I love how you handled the scene where she catches him um possibly cheating on her, although that's not really mm-hmm. what it is, but uh I just like that that was just kind of that was shoved under the rug pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas I think in a lot of movies that would have been like a, you know, 15 more minutes or something <laughs> where they're, you know, they're still getting trying to get, you know, go through the motions with it. So I thought that was uh I thought that was fre- refreshing to see. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean it was it, that yeah. was a that was an interesting dance to play because yeah, it's like, how do you play it? That feels authentic. That doesn't feel like she's kind of being crazy about it. And then like, you know, yeah. So it was, and that's a lot of Eugene and Mary just kind of, they're setting actors and playing it in a really real way. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. 
Um, I, is there a, is there a scene in this movie that you that's your particular favorite you find the funniest? Uh, have we already mentioned it, uh, or or is there another scene maybe that's not the funniest that uh, uh, is is your favorite scene that you shot? I mean, again, I I don't think I've ever laughed as much as I've laughed doing this movie. So there's so many like just like hard laughing. Um, one scene in particular that maybe like is just has a moment, but we shot more of it. And again, I'm gonna lobby for like fans to like clamor for this but uh the flashback of them in college <laughs> mm, yeah yeah we shot a lot we shot like more stuff of that and like it's just just seeing them betsy as goth and mary in her braces uh is just so funny to me so that scene there's more on the cutting room floor that i would love to share with the world um but i think my favorite looking back on it and i think what encapsulates the movie to me is the moment backstage between Mary and Betsy after kind of this incident happens um, in the end of the movie. Again, I don't want to give it away, but to me, it's like, I don't think you've ever seen it before in a movie, but it was, it's laughing, it's crying, it's gagging. It's Mary and Betsy just like face to face bra. And when we were shooting it, it was like, this is like a Lucy and Ethel moment of like, Mm -hmm. you know, just these two just powerhouse comedians, like at the top of their game, at the top of their emotional, you know, it was so, it's so emotional and, to me, that's really the, what to me really signifies like how weird and complex this movie is and how it kind of strikes a tone of gagging, laughing and crying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, do you guys have anything else? Yeah. I, I want to say it's a fucking miracle whenever a movie gets made. Right. I mean, you talking, <laughs> you're talking about all this background, all this thought that you've put into this, all of the extra footage that you've shot, driving in the heat, setting up a camera on a camera on a big rig and all that shit. How, how does this even happen? Is it, is it as much of a miracle as I'm imagining it is to actually make a movie? No, I think it is a miracle. I mean, I think there were definitely <laughs> moments along the way where you're like, is this going to happen? And you know, the big rig in particular, I got to give a big shout out to our producer Gita. Cause she basically like, you know, I think at the last minute she's like, okay, I can make it happen. And it's, it was basically just, bringing all of the people together that, you know, what's so great, my brother being in it, like was so lovely because we drive to set. And one day he was, he was driving with me and he was just like, I just want to say, I'm so proud of you. He's like, I feel like we're making movies like we did when we were kids. And he's like, do you realize that all the people in this movie are people that you've kind of collected along the way and worked with other projects. And so it does, this movie really does feel kind of like just the coming together of many people that I have worked with along the way on little, you know, commercials or short films, or I went, I went to film school with Chris Messina, the DP and Wendy, the production designer did my first feature and the AD Seth, he did this like ABC digital series with me, like people that like, I just always wanted to work with again, bringing them all together. And it really did feel like bringing this weird band of people and finding cool people in Oklahoma, like our costume designers, Jack and Geneva and so yeah, I think it is a miracle, but it is almost like a kismet, just like when the stars align and you have all the right people together, you, you know, we had, we had the time of our lives making this cause it was, it was just good people and we, we had fun. That's it certainly awesome. seems that way. Um, I mean, it's just, it's all the way through just, I, I don't think there's a, uh, like a, I don't think there's a slow patch at all in this movie. 
Um, mm. and you know, and it, it, it almost, it almost devastates me to hear that you had to cut some things from this movie. Cause you know, we're going to, going to add another five to 10 minutes to this thing. It's no big deal. Maybe when um, the director's cut will come out, I'll do my Zack Snyder, like four hours. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say, we'll, 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 yeah, we'll start a everything. hashtag today. <laughs> it, it, That's right. It, I do have one more question because this is very, it's always interesting to me. <clears throat> the music in this movie. Oh uh, yeah. Particularly the heart song, these dreams. Uh, how, how do you, I assume some of this goes through the music supervisor, but how do you select what you're, you're, you're feeling in that moment? How do you place it in the perfect spots? Uh, how do you kind of, you, that song is almost like a thesis statement, right? Musically for, for their relationship. Yeah. Uh, How do you, how do you draw inspiration for those, those moments? So, yeah, I mean, music is a big part of this movie and, you know, one, I got to give, you know, also, not only music, but the score. So Hannah Parrott, who who did my score, she worked on a short film with me as well. Like she just killed it with the score. And so that was kind of my base of like making sure we have an epic score for like our ending. And it feels very, it's a nod to the past, but also it feels fresh. So that was really important to me. And then the music in the movie, you know, I think originally Betsy or Mer- Melanie and Danny's song was a, was a Billy Joel song, the script. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I dig Billy Joel, but it feels like we need like, Again, not to like tell, but to show, we need like a female powerhouse song that's their song. And These Dreams was something that like, I feel like we all know, we've all heard. It's a song that I sang as a kid, but also you don't really know the lyrics to, like, you know, <laughs> so that, you know, that, that was actually, that was something again that I added. So for, for the script. And so that was even before we had a music supervisor, we like knew that we wanted that song in particular. So the producers really kind of went out and tried to get the rights to that song, like before we were shooting so that we could shoot that and have it in the movie. Hmm. And then the other song that like was kind of my personal anthem while we were shooting was MIA's Yala. Uh, The pump me up song that we would play on set. And that while I was like, while we were in pre-production and kind of while I was doing my writing, like it was just like the song. And I, I remember telling Gita, and it's cool because me and Gita are both South Asian. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I would love to have like a South Asian artist, like MIA is mm. like us. And so, you know, we, we knew it was a long shot, but I ended up writing her a letter and being like, please, can we have this? This has been kind of my anthem. And, you know, so I'm still mm. grateful that song is in it. So those two songs were the ones that I really wanted in. And then we had an incredible music supervisor that came in and, you know, I tempted the music out with songs that I had wanted. And she found such incredible music, Michelle, um, such incredible music to fill out the world with that she was, she was so great to work with and she really elevated the movie. I think because sometimes it's hard to find music on our budget that you could use. Yeah. You wrote MIA a letter. That is oh, so awesome. I actually wrote Nancy, yeah, I know Nancy Wilson and her a letter, both of them being like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. so those and apparently awesome. you're, you're very convincing. <laughs> well, that was the thing. It was like, I just really, those were the two songs that meant so much to me that I just really wanted them in the movie and did everything that I could to just to like, really talk about how like they weren't just there because I liked them. They, they really had meaning to me and they were, they were really important that we get them in the movie. Oh, that is awesome. Oh my God. Now that's not, you're not going to get that anywhere else. I guarantee you all the other interviews that you're going to do today. No one's going to ask that. And you're not, they're not going to get that story. (laughs) Guaranteed. (laughs) Well, uh, Maureen, thank you so much uh, for giving us your time today. 
Thank um, you. Uh, appreciate you talking about this movie. It's very funny, and I recommend mm-hmm. it to everybody who is uh, who's listening right now to, to go out and watch it because it's 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 very very funny. But that's going to do it uh, for this interview. Uh, the movie comes out. Golden Arm comes out on uh, in theaters and digital on April thirtieth. Definitely go see it. Um, uh, that's going to do it for this interview. It's Chris Atkinson, Jonathan Watkins, and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com.